Welcome to your most visionary life. On this weekly podcast, we have real, unscripted, in-person conversations with entrepreneurs about the truth of what it takes to run a business and find a career path that you love. My name is Kelsey Riddle, and I am the founder of Visionary Life and The Visionary Method. The intention behind all of our content is simple, and that's to help you live and lead your own most visionary life in your health, in your life, and in your business. As you begin to listen to the episodes, you'll discover one obvious and common thread, and that's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. But perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. This show will help you break through your limiting beliefs and to inspire you to live life on your own terms, to take more risks, to actually follow your heart, to set bigger goals, and to take tiny steps each day that will lead you towards your most visionary life. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Let me ask you something. Have you ever considered making a very drastic life change? Or maybe thought about making a big pivot in your career path? Well, you're going to love this week's show because that's exactly the path of Aaron Barrick, this week's podcast guest, who is the founder of an incredible healthy cafe and restaurant here in Toronto called The Simple Kitchen. More on that in a minute, but first I want to share a quick update. So number one, we are expanding here at Visionary HQ with one new team member already on board and I'm currently looking for a second. The theme this week is definitely finding help. I am currently looking to hire on an assistant who will be available about five hours per week to start and they'll be there to support me in editing and creating this podcast, booking guests and doing the images It'll be someone who can help schedule and support my social media strategy and who can be my right hand when it comes to getting everything done in a week because I'm feeling like I'm really falling behind and I know it's time to get some support. Ideally, this person will live near to me in Toronto, but I am open to worldwide applicants since most of the work will be remote and will be done on your own time. Okay, so this job posting isn't actually officially posted yet, so please stay tuned for details if this piques your interest, but in the meantime, if you or someone that you know might be interested in supporting Visionary Life and uh, the brand that I've created, and if you are creative and driven and ambitious and love the visionary vibes that we're putting out into the world, then please reach out ASAP and I can definitely send you more information. Also, if you're listening to this on the evening that it comes out, uh, that means that Cyber Monday is tomorrow, and I've got a very cool curated list of nine brands that I adore, and that's going into your inbox tomorrow, November 26th, and yeah, it's just a, it's a great way to maybe support smaller, more DIY up-and-coming brands versus spending all your money on the bigger guys. I have no affiliation uh, with any of the brands that I'm sharing, so it's just something that I wanted to create and a little passion project of mine. And you can sign up using the link in my Instagram bio. Okay, back to Erin. 
So formerly a teacher with structured hours, consistency in her work weeks, and all of the lovely stability of things like predictable paychecks, pensions, benefits, holidays, Erin traded in her life as a teacher so that she could follow her true calling, which was entrepreneurship. So she has been through so much in the last 20 years, well, really her entire life, but For a while, she was flipping hundreds of homes with her partner. She was working through the real estate market. And now she has opened one of Toronto's best and most well-respected, fresh, wholesome, and allergen-free cafes. So Erin is certainly a force, and she is such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to running and operating a business. So her business, as I mentioned previously, is called The Simple Kitchen, and they offer tasty and wholesome meals made with fresh, unprocessed ingredients and tons of superfoods. They serve up things like specialty coffees, more like that bulletproof style. Uh, They do smoothies. They have nourishing grain bowls and paleo dishes and boxes. And a lot of the desserts that they serve are sugar-free, dairy-free, refined um, sugar-free, paleo, etc. And they also have a mini marketplace where you can buy some really cool products that aren't yet available uh, at many grocery stores or health food stores. So in this episode of Visionary Life, Erin and I chat about what makes her cafe unique and different from the many other healthy cafes around the city. We chat about the perks and the many challenges that come alongside owning a cafe. And I use the term cafe restaurant interchangeably because it really is kind of an in-between space. Erin and I chat about her experiences of hiring PR support and hiring influencers to come share their experience and why that doesn't always work the greatest. She shares how they managed to gain the trust of Toronto's NHL team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is a huge deal because some of the Maple Leafs are posting about the Simple Kitchen on their personal accounts uh, multiple times per week because they love it so much. We chat about the future growth of the Simple Kitchen and where their second location is going to be. And just a hint, it's not even in Canada, so I'm so excited for them. And we talk talk a lot about just the daily operations and happenings of a business owner. So I know you'll love this episode with Erin, and I hope you'll share it with your network if it resonates with you. So just hit that share button. It takes just a second. I love listening to podcasts. And then when I think of someone who might benefit from the content, I always grab my phone right away and you just click those three little dots and then you can hit share and you can text message it to someone. It's so easy. And yeah, it it just, I love paying it forward if I know that the content I'm listening to will help one of my family or friends. And one last thing, if you haven't rated and reviewed the Visionary Life podcast, it would mean a lot. Um... You know, this podcast is free and I know it can be a bit of a barrier to grab your phone and open iTunes and try to figure out how to leave a rating and review, but it really does help to keep this podcast going. So if you want future episodes, if you want me to do another season, I need reviews because ultimately I would love to grow the listenership and to bring on more consistent sponsors so that I can be paid for my time the time that it takes to record the interviews and produce them and edit them and create the promotional materials around them. 
I'm spending hours per week doing this and without sponsors, uh, it means that I'm working for free essentially. And I totally don't mind. I love it. But I want to let you know that a review would really, really help me to keep this podcast going. So please do that if you haven't already. And without further ado, let's get right into the show. All right, so Erin, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I have definitely been in heaven having the simple kitchen down the road from me, so close to where I live in Toronto, and I've thoroughly enjoyed watching your journey unfold of how you brought this business to life. So we are going to get into all things today, but why don't we start with some rapid fire questions so that the listeners can get to know you better. So first, what is one thing you do every single day that's non-negotiable? Oh my God, that's such a good question. Okay, so probably not the right spirit of that question, but I would say probably sleep. Yes. For me, sleep is non-negotiable and that's almost not even my choice because I just have to sleep well every night and I have to sleep eight hours. So I'm a little bit enamored by those people who can you know, functions so well and so little sleep, but I'm just not one of them. So that would be one. Coffee's another because I can't even remember the last day I didn't have a coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love that term, non-negotiable. I need more non-negotiables, you know, exercising every day, Mm -hmm. getting up and doing the things that need to be done right away, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's a really good term. Yeah, (laughs) non-negotiable. And it can totally encompass things like for me, coffee as well is non-negotiable. And then there are some things that I really try to make my workout routine or healthy Mm -hmm. food non-negotiable. And when you think of it in that way, you're like, yeah, I I need to prioritize this. So uh, where did you grow up, Erin? I've always lived in Mississauga, born and raised there, went to high school there, moved out to uh, London for university. But other than that, I've always lived in Mississauga. Cool. Uh, What's your favorite thing to eat at your restaurant, The Simple Kitchen? It changes. <clears throat> right now, I love our muffins for some reason. I'm a little Ooh. bit obsessed with them, but then I get out of it, and I, you know, I'm trying to eat a little bit lower carb. So, I really like our chia bowls right now, and putting various toppings on them. It's kind of been an everyday thing because I just find it helps with my digestion. So mm-hmm. that would be my favorite right now. Our simple bowls. Mm. I need to come try that. I've been making my own kind of chia bowls, but they're just never as good as the ones that I'm sure you <laughs> it's make. It's because somebody else is made for you. <laughs> Always. Always. <laughs> And finally, what's your favorite way to wind down on a Friday night? It's funny about that Friday question because when you own your own business, Friday doesn't exist anymore. All the days run in. I never know what day it is. I never know what hour it is, which by the way is like a really good indication that you like what you're doing. Um, Years ago when I was a teacher, Friday night was, you know, pizza and movies and couch and that sort of thing. That's not happening anymore. Winding down is always just dinner with friends or whatever. Mm. That's my favorite thing to do. That's awesome. Yeah, I totally feel the same about the whole Friday thing as a business owner. Although I just bumped into a friend while I was walking my dog this morning. And I was like, yay, it's Friday. And he's like, well, don't you work on Saturdays and Sundays for the most part? And I was like, I do, but I still get that excitement about a Friday like everybody else does. So I haven't lost that spark of like, ooh, tonight is going to be fun. Um, okay, so let's zoom the lens back a little bit. I would love for you to walk us through just a brief journey of what you were up to before opening the Simple Kitchen. So you mentioned something about a teacher. So what types of jobs were you working? Did you always dream of opening your own business? Give us a little synopsis of what was going on. Okay, so I always dreamed of being a teacher. My mom was a teacher. My um, high school phys ed teacher was my idol. 
So I went off to Western in phys ed and my whole goal in life was to be a high school phys ed teacher. So did that, graduated very quickly because I, I was always in a rush for God knows what reason. Um, and couldn't get into a high school position so quickly got into elementary school. Taught grade five and seven for most of my career. Actually was teaching for 18 years. Wow. Um, right around the 10 year mark, I got restless, which is just sort of my personality. And um, I was really into design, house design. So I really wanted to flip houses. And um, the, story, the story is, it's a little dramatic, but the guy that was doing a little bit of work on my house, he was packing his tools, you know, ready to go, never to see him again. And I asked this simple question of, any chance you'd want to flip a house? And he was like, yeah, sure. And we chatted about it. Literally three weeks later, I bought a house in High Park. I hired him. We flipped it. And we did 28 houses over 10 years. <laughs> houses, uh, condos, you name it. And uh, some I lived in. We moved around a lot. Um, but most of the time, we just bought and renovated and sold. And then towards the 15-year mark, like from the time I started teaching until then, I got my real estate license because I'm like, why am I paying anybody to do my what I want to do? Plus, I'm super impatient. So if I want to see a house today, I want to see it now. And I don't care that you are busy and that you have stuff to do. So I just decided to get my real estate license. And that helped us find our own properties and save some money. Um, it also evolved into me helping family and friends. So that became a bigger business of mine. Uh, and then I sort of went part-time at school. I was mm. doing 80% and then I was doing 60 and then I was doing 20, which was almost nothing. And, um, and then quickly I, I resigned. So towards uh, the end of that, I found this place. I was showing a property in Roncesvalles and I saw this place. And I'd always, for about a year, I was jotting down menu ideas and I was super interested in paleo eating and mm. just very interested in all things nutrition and just walked in and knew that that was the right place. That's the most simple form of how we started, I guess. Very cool. So <laughs> you said you were into paleo and you kind of, you know, had this, I don't know, menu item on your mind. Did you know that that would be channeled into a restaurant cafe or were you open to just whatever you stumbled upon? I was just always on top of anything that was new. You okay. know? And Weight yeah. Watchers was the biggest thing. I knew what it was all about. When Atkins was big, I knew what it was. And I was always... You know, it's one of those things where you can't not learn about it, mm. you know, like you're just at home and you can't not search that mm. or this. And that's sort of when you know it's a passion. So I was very on top of it and I was very well aware of the fact that Toronto did not have enough. Mm -hmm. And so I was, you know, think driving around, showing clients properties and what am I going to eat for lunch today? And just realized there was not enough. And there were a lot of vegan places, which I can appreciate, but um, was not necessarily for me. Um, and <clears throat> I was I was in love with a place in New York called Hugh Kitchen, which was the only mm. paleo place I knew about, and sort of thought we need something like that. Mm. And so I kind of created my own version of what I thought whole food eating. I mean, diets have changed so much, and and there's this is good for you and this is bad for you and stuff that we thought was so great now it isn't. But I don't think whole food eating is ever going to go out of style. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just one of those things where you know fat was bad and now it's good but I don't think anybody's going to tell you eating you know apples and mm -hmm. <laughs> and vegetables and you know good quality meats is really bad for you mm -hmm. I guess the meat is a bit of a hot topic but it's a hot topic but you're so right like I, I used to do nutrition workshops all over the place and 
I would start by asking the audience, like, do you know what a whole food is? And oftentimes people couldn't even name those 10 whole foods. No. Grains, beans, legumes, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, meat, fish. And they would just stare at me. They couldn't say any of them. And I was like, come on, guys. Like, something that doesn't have an ingredient panel. So you're right. Like, just the concept of, of... that will never go out of style. These whole foods, um, you know, keto may come and go, uh, the carnivore diet may come and go, but I think if you focus in on a time-honored principle of just eating what's from the earth, uh, you've got yourself a pretty good opportunity there. Which so. brings me kind of to the name. I mean, you, you said it, bringing us back to the earth, and that was food in its simplest form is always going to be best for you. Uh-huh. And again, I don't think that will ever change. Yeah, I love that. And I was even going to ask you, where did you come <laughs> up with the name The Simple Kitchen? Because it's just so perfect and succinct and to the point. It's just as you would imagine. It's, you know, Googling synonyms for everything that you think works and making lists and mm-hmm. crossing stuff out, out that you really don't like. And what was left was probably two or three. I don't even remember what the other ones were. And then you ask friends and then you have one. I'm kind of a good decision maker. Once I make my mm-hmm. decision, I don't flip flop back and forth. Yeah. And that made me good at house design because, you know, there's a zillion ways to do a bathroom that's going to look good and you mm-hmm. can't have them all those ways. So you yeah. have to be concise. And that was something that I recognized in myself fairly early on that I'm kind of good at. So once we decided on, or I should say I, it was really just mine. So once I decided on the simple kitchen, that was, that was what it was. And I should mention that that, that guy who I said, hey, do you ever want to flip houses? He's my full partner on the simple kitchen. Oh, cool. And that was because when I said to my husband, um, hey, I'm going to open a restaurant. <laughs> His exact answer was, oh, okay, cool, but you have to find somebody crazy enough to do it with you. And this guy, Joe, is the only crazy person I know willing to do it. That's (laughs) awesome. Very cool. Okay, so we keep alluding to the simple kitchen, but we haven't actually heard from you what it is. So can you give us a rundown? If someone has never heard of the simple kitchen, is listening from another country, what is it? It's a cafe slash restaurant. I guess that's the best way to put it, which will sort of give you an image of what that means. Mm -hmm. Um, It is... It's counter service, so you would place your order and then take a seat. So it's fairly casual, but the basis of the menu is paleo-inspired. And I say that because if you don't know what paleo is, I'm not going to tell you about it. If you know what paleo is, I'll talk to you about it all day long. But I didn't want to, um, I guess I didn't want to scare anybody by giving it any specific terms. So it's whole food based with, uh, it's 100% gluten free, which is probably the most important thing to note. It's mostly dairy-free. We do, we do offer a couple of dairy options for, for coffee and stuff like that, but none of our food or, or anything will have any dairy in it, including butter. Uh, refined sugar-free for the most part as well. So basically the paleo principles of eating from the earth mm. is the best way to put it. Awesome. So if someone kind of walks through the door, again, maybe they've never actually been to your cafe restaurant before. What type of experience can they expect? Like I know you've got even retail, uh, what types of food can they get? Just describe a little further for us so we can envision exactly the space you've created. Sure, so it's breakfast and lunch primarily. We are open until eight most nights so people can grab dinner and go. We're, we're sort of known for lunch, I would say, is our most important meal. Mm-hmm. Um, to uh, People take stuff to go, people stay in. We do have a fairly big retail section. We try to, to sell products that are completely in line with being paleo. So they have to be clean products. So you're not gonna see any soy, you're not gonna see any gluten, you're not gonna see any dairy. And so we try to keep everything as simple as possible. We try to keep up on the latest stuff that's sort of emerging in the market. So we do have a lot of that stuff. 
Um, yeah, but I just think you can come in and get a great cup of coffee and mm -hmm. a great meal and feel good about yourself when you've left because you've done something good for your body that day. So true. It's also a very cheery atmosphere. Like, I feel like you've got pops of that yellowy yellow orange everywhere, and, yeah. which is, it's like a nice, bright, vibrant color, you know? And that, that was sort of the to... vision. So thanks. That's nice. Yeah. That no, I definitely that recognize sure. that. I think if it was like a deep blue color, it wouldn't have been the same, you know? Um, okay, so thinking about your store, or the restaurant rather, how much time did you spend actually like creating the business plan and dreaming up the concept versus, uh, or did you just kind of grab the location itself and then start planning it out? Do you know what I mean? Like, were you in like the formulation phase for a long time or was it, okay, we got the location, now let's plan? I can remember it was January, so it was really cold, and I was sort of in the middle of doing the whole 30 myself, which is a different topic, but if anybody knows about <laughs> it, that's what I was doing. And my husband was away, so I'm alone. My son is, you know, whatever, in and out. And so I started Googling spaces. I started with the idea of doing a kiosk somewhere, like maybe in a mall, like Square One. Uh, and then I just started jotting down menu items, and I kept that pad of paper near me, and I would just keep adding and adding and adding to it. So the menu was probably the most important part. Once I sort of felt like, yeah, this might actually be doable, um, I'll fast forward and just say we had signed the lease by the end of January. Wow. I found it because I know I was in California and we were back and forth with lease paper. So I know that was the end of January. And I know we started in February and we opened in August. So wow. we started in February, but actually had some trouble getting started with some permitting and stuff. So let's just say it was about five months in the making. Mm -hmm. And... I didn't have the concept for a long, long time. I think this is going to sound like super cheesy, but to be honest, it's the thing of if you build it, they will come. Yeah. I just never had any doubt that this was going to work. I knew that if people found out about it, it was a concept that would resonate with people. And so I never felt negative. I never listened to any negativity because some of it was you know, thrown my way, but I didn't listen to it. And I just felt very passionate about it. And knew that it was a risk, but I am a bit of a risk taker, mm -hmm. and just kind of forged ahead. So it was very quick to answer your question. I think that's such a good takeaway uh, for any entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur. You have to have like an unshakable belief. You cannot think, oh, well, if this fails or, you know, or listen to the naysayers, you're going to have friends and family that are like, why don't you just stay in your comfortable job? You know, you're doing well, you have benefits. You have to just put those comments aside and say, you know what, I'm going to go for it anyways and not let that shake you. So um, I think that's really cool that you're able to just, you know, stay on your path and keep positive no matter what is going on. So the tough thing with with teaching, too, is you're leaving a very constant job, a very, you know, you've got, like you said, benefits of pension. And, mm -hmm. you know, you'd have to basically break the law to be taken out of your job. And, you know, like miraculously, every two weeks, all a bunch of money is thrown into your account and you never have to worry. And, it, you know, you make all your bills and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. However, what was happening to me in teaching was I started to really look forward to Fridays and my life was regulated by the school bells. So 3.30, the bell would ring and it was almost mm -hmm. like... You know, I was happy by that and the weekends and the anxiety of Sundays. And that was when I started to recognize, I don't think this is for me. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of teachers feel that way. But there's always that lingering, oh my gosh, I can't give up my pension and I can't give up my benefits. Mm -hmm. So then that's what ends up happening. You have teachers that are not passionate about their job anymore. Mm -hmm. It's so true. I'm sure what you just said will resonate with so many people. Um, 
I've been in the nine to five too. And I, I, every time I went in, I just felt this sense of heaviness and just was imagining how much better life could be. And there was a lot of fear that also came alongside those thoughts. Like, what if I leave, then what, then I have to restart. Um, yeah, losing benefits and just all the safety and comfort that comes from that consistent paycheck. You're going to go through a lot of emotions, but what you don't realize is that on the other side of it, when you dive into entrepreneurship, you have unlimited potential, right? You can create whatever you want. You could possibly surpass your salary that you had for 10, 20 years as a teacher. And, you know, if you create it, like you said, they will come and you never have to stop. You can just keep building that dream. So I think that's an important lesson. If you're going to go for it, never let someone shake your belief because that would be the worst thing for uh, any entrepreneur. So it's tough. Yeah. You don't, you're, you can't be, you can't be, um, faint of heart, I guess no. is the best way to say it. Your vision has to be strong. <laughs> so write your vision down daily. If it's not, uh, let's zoom the lens forward a little bit. So now you've been open for how long? Uh, August was the one year anniversary. Okay, so cool. just over a year. Awesome. So now that it's evolved a little bit, you've obviously gotten through the first year. What does a day in your life look like right now? Well, do you want to know what a day looked like at the beginning versus now or let's just do now? It. Yeah, let's do a quick before and after to see how it's evolved. So at the beginning, it was up at a foolish hour. It was working on my feet behind the counter 12, 15, 16 hours a day. Um, it was planning what my you know nightly alcoholic beverage was on the way home because I deserved it because I was in hell. Uh, and that went on, like I, I don't mean to mix words here, I mean that went on for a few weeks because what happens is you have to do everything because even if you hire great people, those people don't know everything and you do, you've, you've been in this, you know, you've been creating, creating it for months and months and months, you want everything to be perfect, people are walking in the door for the first time. If I knew probably how hard it was going to be, I probably wouldn't have done it. But now I'm out on the other side, so I can safely say that it was all worth it. But it, it was about as rough as I thought it could ever be. Mm -hmm. It was it was really tough. Thank you for sharing the honest um, That's perspective the honest. on that. As soon as you get a few good people, and as soon as you feel comfortable to take one day off, which took me months and months and months, so it was mm -hmm. really every single day, every single day. Um, so now my day looks like, uh, you know, setting my alarm <clears throat> for 7.30, which is when the first person is there. I have cameras on my phone. I make sure that they're there. I know, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm happy. So back to the non-negotiables. If I'm good, I get up right at 7.30. I have a home gym and work out and do all the things. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't usually get there until after 11 or maybe even 12. I, like I said, great people. Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable. I know that they're handling things. Uh, and then I just handle everything from... I don't work as much behind the counter, which is great. I do it every once in a while to make sure I can do it and make sure I'm on top of everything. But yeah, sometimes I get on that, you know, the cash and I don't even remember what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So now it's much more flexible. I can travel. I can spend time with my family. Uh, but I would say it took a good six months to get there. Mm -hmm. And do you have trouble delegating or did you just truly like need to be there on the floor I don't have any trouble delegating when I have confidence in the person. Um, okay. But at the beginning, we had, uh, you know, we just had people that were learning alongside of us. And mm -hmm. it was our very first time doing anything. So, for example, if I was to open another one, it wouldn't look like that. Mm -hmm. 
But for the first one, I'm stumbling through it. And then I'm trying to teach people how to do it. And I don't even know what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. that was why. And I didn't want anybody to walk in the door and have a bad first experience and, and never come back. Because yeah. that was how we could build the business is by having loyal mm-hmm. customers. That's so true. Yeah. And you know what? I've interviewed quite a few business owners on this podcast. And there's always the common thread of that one to two year period where you are just hustling your nose to the grindstone. And it's hard work, but once you get through the thick of it, that's when the real benefits start to And we should mention through. that the rewards are very, very low. Mm-hmm. You know, And somebody said to me, being an entrepreneur is very, very hard, but it's also very, very rewarding. Mm-hmm. And so anything that has huge risk and huge work also gives you the opportunity to have you know, great things come of it. And mm-hmm. I think that's what you have to keep your eye on in the, when you're in that thick of it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So based on your own experience over the last year and a bit, what would you be able to offer up maybe one or two tips to someone who's also looking to start their own restaurant or cafe? Hmm. Don't feel like I'm an expert just yet, but I guess, (laughs) I guess the best thing to do is try to drown out the noise of anything that's negative and try to focus in on people that you know have had success. So if somebody is offering you advice and they've had failed businesses and they have, you know, just ignore that and try to find people to surround yourself with people that have done it, you know, and have, have something to share with you. And I did that. I, I talked to people that have run successful businesses and I've asked questions and I've been humble about it. And you don't go in thinking you know everything. And even after a time, you don't do that either. Mm-hmm. And and really ask yourself, is this something I really want to do? Am I passionate about this? Am I in it to make the money? Because that might not be the best mm-hmm. way to do it. Am I in it because I can't not be in it? Then it probably is the right thing to do. Yeah. It's like when it's burning a hole in your heart, then you know you're in the right spot. But And I think it's hard because we're inundated with, you know, all these quotes out there, you know, like, just go for it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you can do it. And, all, you know, you only live once and all this stuff. But that has to be balanced out with what are the risks here? Like, what am I going to lose? And I guess for me, if it was just my time, I would always go for it. But then when money is involved and you risk, you're risking your lifestyle, it becomes a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. So you have to find that balance. It's tough for sure. And sometimes the answer is, would it be harder to not ever act on my vision? Like maybe if you had been thinking about this for years, which clearly you have been and jotting down those menu items, it's like, it would be really hard to just push all that aside and continue doing something I'm unhappy with. So then go for it. Um, but yeah, you're right. You have to calculate the risks. It's not always just as easy as, um, yes, I want to quit my job and go for it. For me, I continued to work for other people until my business was up and running, making enough money. I always had side gigs. I kept my full-time gigs um, because I didn't want to put myself at that risk. So that's always an option too, right? I love the side hustle. All everybody should have a side hustle. I agree for a lot of reasons. But every, I think that even if you're in a very secure job, try to have something going on. And for that, it just might be you know I have friends that have small children, and that's a busy enough life. Mm-hmm. But if you find yourself um, at the point where maybe your kids are involved in other stuff, and you're finding yourself bored, find a side hustle. Mm-hmm. You know, do something that you really like. Be paid or not paid or whatever, but mm-hmm. always have something that you love doing on the I side. Agree. Some somewhere where you can channel your creative energy, especially if you're not getting that at work. I think it's important to have that side hustle or outlet where you can, um, yeah, just channel whatever it is that comes to you. So we talked a bit about the menu, but I'd love to kind of dive in a little deeper to that topic. So how do you stay on top of food trends and then integrate them into the Simple Kitchen? 
because like we said, the nutrition, the food industry, it's changing so fast. There's always so many new products. So I know you guys update your menu a lot. How do you stay up to date? I think it's the same answer. I just can't not. You know, I mean, I, I it's it comes to me, whether it's in social media or whatever. I mean, it would be very hard to stump me on stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. And that's just organic. It's not something that I seek. It's just I, I need to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just need to know what's going on. So I try to stay on top of that stuff. It's very easy with social media because anything that's really popular is going to show up somewhere on your feed. Mm-hmm. And so then I reach out to those people and I see if it's viable to have them in our in our place. And then... You know, always looking at recipes, always looking at what can we improve, what can we do better. And yeah, we have made a lot of um, changes and maybe maybe almost too many. But when something isn't working, you get rid of it and you replace it with something else. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of things on deck. And um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's how I do it. I mean, I, honestly, I, I, just, I just can't not. That's it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I think I saw on your social media feed somewhere that you guys attend different trade shows. Is that right? Like Expo West? Oh, I would um, love to go to Expo. I haven't been. You but haven't? I okay. I'd love to go. I'm involved with it in the way that I follow them and I see what all of the things are. That's kind of how you find your products. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have not been, but I do. Yeah, I definitely want to go. So you also partner with a lot of incredible local talent in the health and wellness community, and they're creating custom menu items for you with their names attached. So how has this become part of your marketing strategy? And how did you start to reach out to these different community members and get them involved in your restaurant? That's such a cool part of the the business. Last November, so we'd only been open for a couple of months, I was in LA for a wedding and I got this very cool, um, it wasn't a direct message, I guess he, so a guy that was playing on the Toronto Maple Leafs by the name of Connor Carrick Mm -hmm. commented on a picture that I posted on one of my stories about trying an ice cream that I really liked in LA. And he said, oh, it's his favorite and would we ever consider getting it? And so when I looked him up, because I didn't know who he was, he was a new new young player and I didn't know who he was, Um, I looked him up and realized this kid's legit, like this is is an actual player. So we went back and forth a little bit and somehow it came to me, why don't we feature you on the menu with something that you like? And he loves coffee and he loves adaptogens. And so with the help of Alana, my nutritional, my holistic nutritionist on staff, we came up with Carrick's Fuel. And that was the beginning of that. And he was such an awesome guy. He would come in on the weekends with his fiance, now wife. And he was just so charismatic and so excited about the business and so kind and so sweet. And he also told his teammates to come and they would come and try his drink and they would take pictures of it. So that was happening. And that evolved into a few of the trainers finding out about us and realizing that it's sort of, you know, the, the menu caters to an athlete. And so from there, we had, you know, Sidney Crosby's coach, come, not coach, um, a trainer come in, and then he himself came in. So that was, you know, a thrill, obviously. Mm-hmm. And Connor even had us in between the two periods of a hockey game. They, they have something, and, and he actually featured us in that time. So wow. there we were on Hockey Night in Canada. You know, I have all my friends and family calling or whatever. It was probably the most exciting moment of the last, you know, however long we've been open. Mm -hmm. And so I attribute everything to him and he got traded to Dallas, which sucks because I was hoping for a long, you know, he would come in on weekends. I love feeding him breakfast on a Sunday. And so I won't get that anymore. But 
I will never forget what he did for the business. And that was the impetus of all of this that has happened. So, Very cool. you know, now we have, I don't even want to name them because I feel like I'm almost invading their privacy. <laughs> so Crosby, I don't mind because he lives in Pittsburgh, but the Toronto guys that come in, yeah. they just are so supportive and so loyal. And some of them we do meal, meal planning for. Mm-hmm. Um, we had an actress come in one day. She was just shooting around the corner and crazy about um, Q Kitchen in New York because she lives in Union Square. Yeah. And found a place that she was able to eat here because she's gluten-free and dairy-free. Mm-hmm. And so that was really cool. I mean, it just sort of validates what you're doing. Not mm-hmm. that it's because they're celebrities. Anybody who comes in and feels like we're catering to them, I feel super grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was your... The question was, how did I get to align with them? It yeah. really started with Connor. And then, to be honest, that turned into, why don't we feature you for the month of January, which we did, 2018. Mm-hmm. And then that turned into, why don't we do one every month? So the next month was Joy McCarthy because she was a... A customer mm-hmm. and you know very kind about posting on her social media about what we were doing that that was another real the two of them were probably the biggest um the biggest reasons that we grew early on because they mm-hmm. had such an audience on their social media and so when they promoted us with with me not even I mean there were people I paid to promote like various influencers that would come mm-hmm. in and I would pay them to come in and I didn't get nearly the response I did from people who just out of the goodness of their heart posted a picture of our cookie, you know? Mm -hmm. And so so that evolved into joy. And then I think anybody who followed joy, a lot of nutritionists follow her. And so then they found out and it just, the circle just kept widening and widening Mm -hmm. and widening. Yeah. Such a ripple effect too. You're right. It starts with one person or one event, or in your case, it was Connor coming in and you just never know what that ripple effect is going to be. And I think that's, really cool and just the power of social media these days as much as we love to hate it and hate to love it um, when we use it for good when someone truly loves a product or service you can feel that through their energy through their posting and it makes us want to go try the same thing right and I just think it's such a joyful way to share the things we love in life and I know that um, for your business it has helped immensely because I my first time finding out about it was when my friend Christy posted about it, right? And so that made me want to go check you out. So it's very cool to see um, just what kind of spark one person on social media can have. And it's probably the biggest surprise for me because having an account of 200 of my friends and family and growing it to almost 5,000 in a year, um, I didn't know the power of social media, didn't know it at all. And I don't have a marketing background, so it was just a matter of couple of cool things happening and that sort of you know starting something new and a domino Mm -hmm. effect for different things and that's what's happened over the last Mm -hmm. year and that kind of makes me think too people are always asking me like what strategy should I implement with my social media do I need professional photos what what should I write in my captions the main overarching principle here is just be authentic because that's when people truly recognize that you're not trying to sell them anything. You have nothing to hide. You're just trying to share your passion, in your case, your business, through this online platform. And because it's so authentic, people want that kind of stuff these days. They don't want the overly curated Mm -hmm. um, types of feeds and stories and all that. So uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Now I want to dig into what keeps you as a business owner inspired and focused. So Is there any tips you could offer up? What keeps you as a visionary um, driving this business forward? I 
guess there's always ebbs and flows, right? Like there's always ups and downs. We've had days that have been so thrilling, like the day that Connor walked in the door. And we've had days that have been really rough. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's not a lot of monetary reward at this point yet Mm -hmm. because, you know, we just sunk so much into it. So um, what keeps me going is, you know, a little girl coming in who's been celiac for years and has a paleo waffle and like starts to tear up at the table. Like that keeps me going, Mm -hmm. you know, because that even wasn't my purpose at the beginning, but it's, it's just a cool thing that's happened as a result. Um, I guess, I guess growing the business right now is what's keeping me going because Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, what people need to realize is that restaurants don't make a lot of money. There's just a not a lot of uh, profit margin and our stuff in particular is very expensive. So uh, what I've learned in the last little while is it's probably multiple locations that's going to give us the success. Mm-hmm. And so it's now kind of feeling like it was at the beginning where it's sort of exciting. What are we going to do now and where are we going to move to and what's mm-hmm. the next step? And so and learning about investments and that sort of thing which is a little bit for, foreign to me. So I think that's what's keeping me going now. Mm-hmm. And I think also the fact that I have so many great people there now that I trust so much, I can actually enjoy my life. Yeah. Absolutely. And I can have it both ways. I can have the love of the business and I can mm-hmm. still have time with my family and I'm still finding some balance in my life. And that's mm-hmm. what's making me so happy right now is the balance. That's awesome. And it sounds like you got to that balance through a lot of hard work, blood, sweat, tears, but it's worth it now, I'm sure. And so you mentioned something about franchise earlier. Is there plans to, you know, franchise it out? Or are you thinking of opening multiple locations? Can you let us in on any? Yeah, we've had a lot of little glimmers here and there. I mean, we've had, um, there's, there's so many little things that have happened and we're trying to figure out our way. Mm-hmm. So after all of that, the decision right now is that we're going to open up in LA, in California. So we've been down there a few times. We've been looking at locations. We bought a house down there that we now own and I've been to a few times. And that is like the second part of, that's probably my original dream from when I was a kid. I just fell in love with California when I was about 12 years old on a family vacation and have just been completely and totally enamored by it. So it's one of those places where, for me, when you get off the plane, you just feel so much energy, you love the vibe, and I just have a love affair with it. And so for me, the most obvious next step would be why not combine that with my business? And of course, you know, California is known for being, uh, you know, a little bit more progressive on the health trends than we are. But to be honest, um, in all of my research, I'm not finding a lot of paleo places. I'm not finding a lot of whole food places, lots and lots of vegan. Um, So I do feel like even though there's a lot of competition, I still feel like we're going to be innovative. Mm -hmm. And so I have the exact same feeling for that place that I did for ours. If, you know, I know once I get it going, it's going to be successful. Mm. So now I'm just lining up all the players and, and the money and everything about it, but I hope to be open. I don't really want to say a timeline because I feel like I'll screw myself up. Yeah. <laughs> I want to open um, just as soon as possible down there. Yeah, that is so exciting. I cannot wait to follow along that journey, and maybe I'll just have to make a trip down. I've of never course. been there before, so oh, well, I know. People always say, like, it is the case, mecca of health. I'm like, I know. <laughs> it is, and it's, so, it's just so fun. And the last two times I've been there, which has been last week and a couple weeks ago, we've just been working on this house, so I haven't even enjoyed it, and yet I still enjoy it. Even yes. the worst day in L.A. is still <laughs> yeah. is still a great day. And then there's the weather. like just Yeah, I was going to say, you know, you get the added bonus that it's not one degree outside, so... <laughs> Um, Okay, let's wrap this up with our final question that I ask everybody. So for someone who's listening to this podcast, who is just yearning to start up a side hustle, a passion project, an online business, or a full-time venture, but they don't know where to begin, 
what advice would you offer them based on your own experience? It's so tough, right? Everybody's so different. I think probably find somebody that you trust to ask the first few questions. You know, whenever your best time of day is, mine is late at night, but if you're a morning person, do your research, uh, you know, get inspired before you spend any money, try to have kind of a clear plan in place. Although I don't know that I did, but it's probably <laughs> good advice for somebody to do that. You know, balance out the risk versus, you know, what can I lose from this? And again, try to start with just losing your time because, you know, time you can give up easily. Money's a little bit more tricky. Um, but try to find somebody who you think has been successful and try to ask them the right questions. And I guess, I, you know, I don't know. I just don't feel like I'm an expert in this area, but that would be my best piece of advice. Just find somebody or people that have made a difference, that have done something that is similar to what you want to do, mm-hmm. and just ask questions, mm-hmm. you know. And don't jump into anything, but at the same time, don't, don't leave it because you need to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a dichotomy. You know, don't mm-hmm. rush, but rush. Ask questions, but don't ask the, the wrong questions, you know. So mm-hmm. I guess it's just sort of fumbling your way through it. It's not, it's not easy, I will say. It's very great advice. And I think, you know, you kind of discount yourself saying, I'm not an expert, but the people listening to this podcast, they love hearing the real stories of everyday entrepreneurs. Um, and so I think this has been such a great, insightful interview. You've shared so many good tips and we can't wait to watch The Simple Kitchen just take over and we want to eat all the food and all the menu <laughs> items that you come up with. So Erin, thank you for being on the show. And where can people find The Simple Kitchen or where can they learn more online? Uh, Simple Kitchen TO is our handle on Instagram. That's where we're most present. Of course, we have a website that's up to date. So www.simplekitchento.com. Yeah, that's basically it. Those are the two ways. We post everything that we're doing. So you can certainly, so many people walk in and say, oh, I've been following you along and this is so great and that is so great. And that almost acts as the energy that I need to keep going, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So that's where you can find us. And uh, we actually had a feature in Paleo Magazine this month. So we're there as well. That was very, very cool. Yeah. Amazing. uh, That's it. I will link all of that in the show notes. So thank you for being on the podcast today. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. It's a thrill. That's a wrap. Until next week, I hope you make tiny leaps in order to achieve your most visionary life. I'd love for you to join my insiders community. Just search Visionary Life on Facebook. We talk about our favorite books, our podcasts of the week, tools, tips, and tricks for making our lives easier as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs. And really, it's just a place to have open and honest conversation. I love taking these podcast discussions offline. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. I send a beautiful essential oil blend, the visionary blend, and a love note from me to anyone and everyone who leaves a rating and review. Just make sure you take a screenshot and send it to me with your shipping address. And if you think I'm joking, why not try it out?